0: Join me, if you would, in once again in the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers chapter 32. The book of Numbers chapter 32. not be reading this entire chapter, but we will only be spending this Sunday probably on this chapter as we look at the account that is given in here that the Lord saw fit to leave us. I have to take that into consideration. The Lord saw fit to leave us this. If there's anything that we think is left out, it's not. And if we think that there's anything too much, it's not. It's exactly what the Lord intended for us to have. In this chapter, we find it describes two and a half tribes of Israel deciding because of the pleasantness of grass to stay on this side of the Jordan River and not go in too the promised land. Now, most commentaries just deal with this as a historical event, but there is a serious spiritual consequence of anybody doing that. I've had many, or a number of conversations recently, and to many people, salvation is not much more than a fire insurance policy. To these people, a mere consent to Bible truths has become their salvation. I believe that Jesus came. I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. I believe that he lived a good life. I believe he was perfect. I believe he's the Son of God. I believe he went to the cross. I believe he died for sinners on the cross. I believe he was buried. I believe he rose again. I believe he's in heaven right now. And to many people, that is the assurance of their salvation. A mere assent to the truth of Christianity considered as a doctrinal statement without having the heart affected. The heart affected. You know, in the church I grew up, I, don't, I probably could count on one hand, one finger of one hand, the number of times the necessity of the new birth was ever preached. You know why? The guy that was doing the preaching didn't know anything about it. Why go there if you don't know anything? The heart affected. All of this information would be sufficient evidence that their salvation improved them the children of God. Now, why did I say that? Because that's what I used to believe. I used to believe that mere assent to facts was my salvation. There had been no spiritual work of any kind. I even went to the, uh, uh, and consented to getting involved in a different group of Christian folks. (laughs) I became a Calvinist, a five-pointer, and learned to argue the five points very proficiently, and still had no heart change. And then by the grace of God, he sent somebody who knew something about the gospel and he preached to me without me really wanting to be there. (laughs) And by God's grace, he saved me and gave me the new birth and the Bible became a new book and it was much more than mental assent to some facts. I knew about God and I knew about Christ, but I did not know We heard that term used two or three times in the lesson this morning, the knowledge of Christ. The knowledge, knowing God, knowing the knowledge of Christ. Well, as we find here in the book of Numbers, chapter 32, we begin reading, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle, and when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that behold, the place was a place for cattle. The children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses, and to Eleazar the priest, and to the princes of the congregation, saying, "This area, verse three, you name those. <laughs> Even the verse four, the country which the Lord smote before the children of a congregation of Israel is a land for cattle." and thy servants have cattle. Wherefore, say ye, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession, and bring us not over Jordan. And Moses said unto the children of Israel. Now, you know, as Moses speaks here, I kind of think about, what are you talking about? I want to go in, and I can't, and you can, but you won't. What are you talking about? What has come up here? uh, And Moses has dealt with the, the nonsense of the children of Israel for 40 years, and he has seen this type of thing brewing in the past. He has heard people bringing up subjects like this in the past. We're thirsty. We're hungry. We don't have you. We wish we were somewhere else. And now we have two and a half tribes saying, you know, this is such a beautiful place right here. We really don't want to go into the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the promised land. God shares with us that ten times did the children of Israel. Turn back with me here in the book of Numbers to chapter 14, if you would. Numbers chapter 14. Keep your finger right there, and we'll be back. But in Numbers chapter 14, it starts here. Now, if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee shall speak, saying... Now, Moses is sharing with us what it is to be a go-between, someone standing and speaking to God on our behalf, because God has shared with Moses, I just need to clean the slate and we'll start over. Now, you know, God never in all of eternity ever thought that that is what he was going to do. He had no purpose in that, but for our benefit, we we even read this, I am God, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Now, if it wasn't for that, But here we have the sons of Jacob, the 12 tribes, and they have done wickedly. And as we drop down through here in verse 22, it says, Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these 10 times and have not hearkened to my voice. Notice the problem, and we, I think probably we find that Moses, as he has witnessed all of this taking place, has the idea, here we go again, here we go again, and so he brings that up, and then over there in Numbers chapter 14, he says, but my servant Caleb, because he has another spirit. All right, let's go back to Numbers chapter 32 as we continue on there. Numbers chapter 32, so this issue is brought up. There's two and a half tribes that we'll find, Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh that want to settle on the east side of the Jordan. And we'll just stay here, and the rest of you can go on. And this is what we find that Moses says to them in Numbers chapter 32 and in verse 6. It says, And Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war, and you sit here? And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them. Thus did your fathers, when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to this land. For when they went up into the valley of Escol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel, that they go not, not go into the land which the Lord had given them, And the Lord's anger was kindled at the same time. And he swears, saying, Surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from twenty years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, and Joshua the son of Nun, for they wholly followed the Lord. And the Lord's anger was brought up. Now, we notice here, Let's see. Go down to verse... Is it 29, I think? Oh. Verse, uh, verse 23. But if you will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sins will find you out. Build you cities for your little ones, and folds for your sheep, and do that which hath proceeded out of your mouth... And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben spake unto Moses, saying, Thy servants will do as my Lord commanded. Our little ones, our wives, our flocks, and our cattle shall be there in the cities of Gilead. What does that mean? Everything we love will be here. We will go over and we will help in the fighting, but everything we hold dear, our treasure is here. Our treasure is here, not in the promised land, but our treasure is here in this area. So they are going to go in and help fight until all the land be subdued, and then they will go back, and we read that as we follow into the book of Joshua. These two and a half tribes. Now, should this be a concern to us, what they did? Should it be a concern, or should we just pass it up and say, you know, that's just, it was good land. It was grassy land, they had lots of cattle, they had lots of sheep, and it was just a place for them to be. Don't you think for a moment there was land like that in the promised land? Don't you think for a moment that the other tribes also had cattle and sheep? Don't you think for a moment that they also had the same thing that these people had? And yet we find that they said, we're going over the, the uh, uh, Jordan River and these people said, we're gonna settle down here. You know, we find this in the book of Genesis with one of Abraham's nephews. Do you remember reading about Abraham's nephew? When he saw the well-watered plains down towards Sodom, he chose that. Now for us, we just thank God, because of that whole issue, we'd say, my goodness, there's no good thing down there, and yet we read in the New Testament that Lot was justified before God justified Lot. He was a saved man, and he did that. What about these folks, as we find what they did? So, they are going to become like Lot in dispensing their cattle and sheep on this side of the Jordan River, but we volunteer to go into the land. You know what? They became what the Gibeonites were to Joshua and to the children of Israel. They are going to become hewers of wood and drawers of water for Israel. They're the ones that are going to have to go into battle. They volunteered to do that. We will go in and fight, but we don't want to live here. We will do works, but our heart is back on that side of the Jordan River. We find there is a problem here. We find there's a problem with these two and a half tribes that they had no interest whatsoever of going into the promised land, but they would be happy right there where they were. The Lord says in Psalm 106 and verse 15, And he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. Leanness. The land that flowed with milk and honey was of no interest to them. The land of promise was no interest to them. They would work, and they would accomplish and help the others, but they would not live there. Where do you have... <laughs> Turn with me if you went to Deuteronomy chapter 11 for just a moment. Deuteronomy chapter 11. In Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 10... Now, this is what we're giving up. When Moses was talking to the children of Israel, he's comparing Egypt with the land that flows with milk and honey. He's comparing the works-oriented religion with what we have in Christ. Now, notice this. For the land, whither thou goest in to possess it, is not as the land of Egypt. And the church, in retrospect, says, hallelujah. That was terrible. 400 years of servitude. 400 years of making brick without straw. We had to gather ourselves. 400 years. No, why did those people complain and say, I wish we were back there? Well, they did exactly what we would do in the circumstances, but notice this. For whence you came out, where you sowest thy seed, and watered it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. Now, that word foot means you had to pedal a water wheel with your feet to irrigate the property. You know, I grew up in an area, if you were going to have a garden, you had to irrigate it. You We had ditches, and my mother complained after Dad put in a sprinkler system, which was much easier to do. You just don't get the same crop out of sprinkling as you do with having water run down ditches and soak up those seeds really well. Well, that's what we did. We had to irrigate or we didn't eat. That's what they did in Egypt. They didn't have the rainfall, but they had the water out of the Nile River. What does he say now? He says, but the land whither you go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys. And notice this, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. How much are you involved in watering your gardens now? I'm going to take care of it with rain from heaven. He is just simply saying, in religion, you're going to work and work and work and work. And when you have given, been given the glory of the new birth and you're placed in the kingdom of God, the blessings come down. It is not for us to work for, but the blessings flow down. They're top down. They're not from bottom up. They're top down. So the Lord's blessings is constantly to the church as blessings that come down from heaven. Every spiritual blessing. Christ came down from heaven. His blessings are from heaven. Everything is from him. We have those great spiritual blessings. And here we have a whole host of folks that says, I don't want that. Now, did you notice? They wanted the blessings. But they didn't want the Lord we just heard read a part of scripture there in the book of Luke about a man that had a vineyard now he used a parable there and a man that had the vineyard did you notice what was important to those folks it was the vineyard we want the property We want these blessings, but we don't want who? We don't want the prophets. We don't want the preachers of grace. And we certainly don't want the son. And they took the son out outside the city. Did you notice that? Outside the city and slew him. And God said, I'll take care of this in due time. They wanted the property. They wanted the vines. They wanted the grapes, but they did not. We find another parable where the Lord says, They raised their hand towards me and says, I will not have this man rule over me. I want every blessing. You know, people want heaven. How many people have made their decision for Jesus because the pr- somebody came to them? You don't want to go to hell, do you? You don't want to go to hell. You know, that's the first note in almost all of the religious education for soul winners. Learn this phrase. Go to kids and ask them, you don't want to go to hell. Well, of course I don't want to go to hell. You know, when God saves us, that's the last thing on the list. That isn't even a consideration. We're not even interested in that. Because hell is not the offended party. God is the offended party. We've offended God with our sin. He's the one that we must bow before. He very seldom used. The Lord very seldom used hell. You know, he never attempted at one time to ever scare anybody out of hell into heaven. And he never tried to educate people out of hell into heaven. He said the necessity of the new birth is essential. And when you have that, you have me, and that's it. It's not being afraid of some place. It's not being educated into something. It is not of the will. It's not the will of the man or the will of the flesh or the will of anybody. It is of God that does this. So we find in type, shadow, and picture, these three two-and-a-half tribes, Manasseh, Reuben, and half the tribe of Manasseh said, we want the blessings, and we'll even fight for them, but we don't want the God. We don't want Jesus. We don't want him ruling over us. We'll stay right here. And they are so telling of that, we'll leave our wives here and our children here and our cattle here and our gold here and our silver here and our possessions here. And we'll go over here and we'll fight for you. We'll be servants to you, but we don't want to live here. You know, there was half the tribe of Manasseh that said, I'm sorry, we're not staying with you. We're going over there. And they went over there. You know, the Lord shares with us through Samuel. Samuel was brokenhearted. He was a a judge. And I believe Samuel knew God. I believe Samuel, he tells us. And that he really had the interests of those people in mind, Israel in mind. And they came to him and says, You know, Samuel, you're such a good guy, and we love you to the bone, but we don't want you to rule over us. We want a king to rule over us. We want to be like what? All the other nations. We just cannot have God choosing out our leader. We want somebody else to rule over us. And, you know, as any gospel preacher would feel, He's broken hearted when they bring him this news. You know, it's a breaking of the heart when people who have stood with you for years say, well, I got to leave, can't stay here any longer. Just can't do it. And you ask him why? I don't have to give you a reason. And you find out what a flaky reason it was after all. Anyway, I just can't stay here can't endure this. As Samuel is brought out, turn with me, if you would, to 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 7. It, the scriptures explain it so much better than I can. In 1 Samuel chapter uh, 8 and verse 7, the Lord brings this subject up, and you know, it's just the truth. He said, the Lord said to Samuel, go along with the folks. Moses was ind- instructed, just go along with it let them stay here i'll give leanness of the soul to them in first samuel chapter 8 and verse 7 and the lord said unto samuel hearken unto the voice of the people in that they say unto thee for they have not rejected thee but they have rejected me that i should not reign over them You know, the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It tells us in the book of Acts chapter three, they denied the Holy One and just and crucified him. These folks became hewers of, wa- hearers of wood and drawers of water, which we find in the book of Joshua. And Moses finally gave consent that they, two and a half tribes, go in. We'll stay here. The fighting men will go with us. And we will live without them. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, if you would. The book of Matthew, another parable that the Lord used in the New Testament to illustrate a tremendous point. Matthew chapter 13. You know that those two and a half tribes saw everything that everybody else had had. And yet when it came time to go into the land of promise, they chose not to go in. They chose not to go into God's promised land. They chose to go against what he had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They chose to go against all the word of the Lord, and they decided to stay there because it was well-watered, fertile soil for their sheep and for their cattle. And they set up their camps there, they left their important possessions there, and they would go in and help physically until the battle was over. Well, here in the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verse 18, we read this, Matthew, hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. You know, I was taught that every one of these people were eventually saved, but you know what? The scriptures teaches there's only one here, and that's good ground, and only God can plow up bad ground and make a good ground. He's the only one that has the right plow. He's the only one that has the right disc. He's the only one that has the right shovel. He's the only one that has the right seed. He's the only one that has everything that is necessary to have a good crop, The seed was scattered, and every bit of the seed that fell was fell where it was scattered on purpose. Did you know that God purposes to have his seed fall on all kinds of ground? He purposes for people to hear the gospel, and then he purposes that it will never touch their heart. But that good ground, it says, hear the parable. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not... Then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which is sown in his heart. This is he that receiveth seed by the wayside. You know, I've had a lot of people tell me every time I read that wicked one, that's talking about the devil. You know, there's one more that we have to deal with more serious than the devil, and that is the heart that we got by birth. Our natural heart will lead us astray every time. Don't trust it with spiritual things. It will lead you astray every time. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it will always lead you correctly. Don't ever. It says there, the wicked one cometh. You know what that means? Yea, hath God said. That's what we read in the Garden of Eden. Yea, hath God said, and humanity... That was brought up by the serpent, but humanity continues to repeat those words every day of their life. No, really, God didn't mean what he said in the scripture. God really didn't mean to say that. Uh, We're 200 years past where that really has significance, or 500 years past that. We're enlightened now, so we don't need that. My friend, that is the wicked one. (laughs) And it goes on to tell us here, But he that receiveth seed in stony places, the same that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it, yet hath no root in himself. This one that, oh man, this is the greatest message I've ever heard. I was over in that church two weeks ago, and I got I got the Spirit over there, and now I'm over here, and I'm going to get the Spirit here, and you know in two weeks I'll be over there, and I'll have the same thing. What does it say? He received it, Heareth the word and anon with joy receiveth it, yet hath no root in himself. You know, I'm thankful that God does not allow us to have root in ourselves, that God gives us root in him. He causes us to grow in him and not in ourselves. We will always do wrong by trusting ourselves, trust the Lord, but doeth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he's offended. He also that receiveth seed in the thorns is he that heareth the word and cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches, choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. You know, there was a rich young ruler that came to the Lord and said, you know, what must I do? And the Lord told him, and he said, well, I've done that from my youth up. He says, all right, prove it. Sell all you have, give to the poor, and follow me. You know what he's really saying there? Follow me. And he says, oh, no, I can't do that. I'm too rich in myself. And left. I read a commentator said that was Saul of Tarsus before he was saved. If it was, I say hallelujah. All right. But he that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth. Now, where do we get our understanding? By revelation. The apostle Peter was asked one time by the Lord Jesus Christ, standing in front of him. You know, people say, all you need to do is have Jesus. The whole bunch of people during Christ's time didn't know Jesus and Jesus. They stood right in his face and they didn't know him. It's not... Trusting Jesus, it's not having Jesus, it's having the King, the Lord Jesus Christ. He that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. And you know what, where I am, I'm probably in the one. That's what we have. Flee to Christ. Go to Christ. God is in his providence and in his mercy, though, even though there were two and a half tribes decided to settle there on the east side of the Jordan River, and the rest of the tribes went on to the west side of the Jordan River and settled down, even though these guys said, we want the reward, but we don't want the God, even though these folks said, we'll settle here, we'll leave our possessions here, we'll leave our riches here, and go and fight for you, we will become hewers of wood and drawers of water in God's providence. He left Three cities of refuge among those folks. We're going to read about that in a soon chapter here in the book of Numbers. Why in the world would he leave three cities of refuge among a bunch of rebels that wouldn't do what he asked them to do to begin with? Because in their loins were some of God's elect. In their loins. You know, I had some real rebellious ancestors that didn't know the first thing about the gospel, didn't know the first thing about Christ, but in their loins was one I know of that God would bring the gospel to. You're looking at him right now. God sent me a city of refuge, and it's been there. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Numbers, chapter 35. In the book of Numbers, chapter 35, we read these words. Numbers 35 Verses 13 and 14, Numbers 35, verses 13 and 14, there's going to be six cities of refuge. And you know, when we first read that, it says, well, they're going to be over on that side and they're going to be among those ten and a half tribes over there because God's already wrote those folks off. But when we read his word, when the Holy Spirit gives us his word, we find out that in God's good providence and purpose, he said, lay out three cities of refuge among these rebellious folks. And these cities, which ye shall give six cities, shall have for refuge. Ye shall give three cities on this side of the Jordan, and three cities shall ye give in the land of Canaan, which shall be cities of refuge. Oh, my goodness. I read that and I was overwhelmed. These people, they're just in it for what they can get out of it. They don't want the Lord to rule over them. They don't want God. They don't want anything else about God. They just want the reward of some grasslands for their families. And here we'll grow up. And God in his mercy and grace said, When we set up cities of refuge, they too shall get three of them. And the only reason why is there were some people among those people that would come along that needed a place of refuge. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Joshua, chapter 20. Joshua, chapter 20. In Joshua, chapter 20, we read these words. Joshua, chapter 20, verse 7. And they appointed Kadesh in Galilee, in Mount Naphtali, and Shechem in Mount Ephraim, and Kirjath Arba, which is in Hebron, in the mountain of Judah. And on the other side, Jordan, by Jericho eastward. We're going to Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh. This is what I command. I'm not suggesting this. I command this, that they will also have cities of refuge. They assigned Bezer in the wilderness upon the plain out of the tribe of Reuben, and Ramoth in Gilead out of the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bashan out of the tribe of Manasseh. On the other side, they didn't enumerate the tribes that were going to get to go to those places. On this side, by God's grace, he said... This tribe that is so wicked is going to have this one. This tribe that is so wicked is going to have this one. And this tribe that is so wicked is going to have this one. Why? Because God knew in them, purposed in them, that they would raise up children that needed a rescue. They needed a city of rescue. They needed a Christ. They needed a gospel. They needed the word of God declared unto them. And that's what that city of of refuge does. It declares unto us the most holy God in his rescuing his people from death. Sin and disgrace from everything else that we inherited from Adam, we have been given a place, a position in God Almighty by Christ Jesus the Lord to raise us out of a horrible pit and to set our feet on a solid rock and to establish our goings and put a new song in our heart. Why? Not because of what we did or our parents did, but because God placed a refuge. all i can say flee to the refuge flee to the refuge it's not making a profession it's not coming forward it's not signing a book i think i shared with you i bought a book the other a bible the other day down at st Vinny's and right in the beginning someone has put in there sign this and say this prayer and you're okay they don't know the first thing about the gospel They don't know the first thing about salvation. They have never heard a word about ye must be born again. And that is brought by the gospel and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh said, we'll go in and fight, but our treasure is here. Jesus said, don't lay up your treasure in this world. Lay up your treasure in heaven. Brother Mike.